up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio. We're hanging out here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. We've been hanging out here pretty much every week for like the last three years. Wow, it's weird. Almost four. Yeah, we're coming up on four years of Nerd Thug Radio greatness, but only three of it has been on the FM stations here. Yep. Um, but yeah, so thanks for hanging out, Conroe, with Nerd Thug Radio, your friendly neighborhood kid who you have to come to every time you have a question about a movie that you just saw the other day, and you're like, hey, what about that one guy? That, that is that is what we are. That's what we are. That's us. That's us. You come by, you ask us, we answer, you're like, thanks, and I'm like, you're welcome, and then we all go to Citizen's Grill and have an old-fashioned. So it's a, all around, it's a good day. Yeah. Um, all right, before we get into anything here, Nico, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about... Our friends, Donnie Utah over there at Sean Myers Insurance. Donnie Utah, great friend of the show, works for Sean Myers Insurance, and they want you to know that they shop over 15 national carriers offering all kinds of different discounts on different kinds of insurance. They specialize in home and auto, meddling them to get your maximum discounts. They go to you line by line, know what you're picking up, trying to save you the most amount of money. Maybe you don't need dinosaur insurance, but maybe. Hey, you're going to the Jurassic Park? Maybe you need that. <laughs> yeah, definitely get dinosaur insurance if you're going to Isla Nubar. That's where the dinosaurs were. Uh, they, they offer all kinds of different plans that are available. Again, 15 national carriers. Call them up at 936-760-5963. 936-760-5963. That's right. Let them know you heard about them on Nerd Thug Radio right here in Conroe. And let them know that Donald Williams is your favorite dinosaur wrangler. It's true. Yeah, just just mention it on the radio. Um, all right, so anything fun this week? Uh, I saw Birds of Prey. Did you really? Yes. Oh, I'm glad you did. What did uh, What did you think? Uh, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, you know, you have to do this. It's a nerd show, and nerds do this all the time. In the pantheon of DC movies, mm-hmm. where are you gonna put it? Uh, let's take. Let's do this. I'm gonna do you a favor. I'm gonna take Wonder Woman off the board. I'm going to take Aquaman off the board. You're going to take Wonder Woman Aquaman off? Because each of those were billion-dollar franchises. I'm going to take Joker off the board because it made a billion dollars. Okay. So you're stuck with the bad ones and the non-billion-dollar movies. So, like, what, Shazam? Shazam, uh, Suicide Squad. I definitely put it above Suicide Squad. Above, Above Justice League? Definitely above Justice League. Above Batman v Superman? Yes. Above I think, Man I think of Steel? Sits, I think it sits right up there with um, like Shazam as like just a really solid, good movie that has a lot of fun character moments. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. It was a lot better than I was expecting, and the action scenes are fantastic. Really? Yeah. I later found out that it was some of the people who did John Wick, so you know it's real good. Yes, they. Uh, so there was a little bit of controversy as they were filming. Okay, so when they announced this movie, Margot Robbie had said publicly, I want to hire females to direct. I want to hire females to write. I want to hire females to produce. I want to hire females to act. To like, She's like, I want to put women and people of color in my movies. Uh, they had then announced that the woman director that was hired for Birds of Prey would not be doing the action scenes, and they were going to bring in the second, the assistant director or the second director, however you phrasings for that, the the B director who from from one of the John Wick movies, mm-hmm. and that guy was going to come on and do the action scenes, and there was a little bit of criticism from that sector of the internet. Who um, actually was trying to make it like, oh, well, they brought him, the studio made them bring him on. When apparently it was kind of the plan all along, they would bring in someone else to help with the action. Right. I mean, if you're a director and you're like, dang, I really, I'm not that great with action scenes. And then someone's like, hey, do you want the guy who does John Wick? Yeah, that's an easy being like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll have one of the best ones. So the interesting thing about John Wick is this is, this is what, this is what it, this is what, this is how inclusion really can work in something like Hollywood or entertainment. The reason John Wick even is a movie, the guy who is directing it and writing it and came up with the concept and all that, he was part of the stunt team from the Matrix film franchises. Mm-hmm. And he was one of Keanu Reeves' guys. Keanu Reeves loved him. 
And so when this guy was trying to get this movie made, obviously movies don't get made without stars. Right. So when he was hitting the hurdles and hitting the problems, he called Keanu Reeves. And Keanu Reeves said, for you, I will absolutely be John Wick. And so that creates that franchise. Um, and so it, that's the kind of way that's when people say, well, how do you do it? What does it mean? What does it look like? That's what it looks like. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You, you is, you is somebody who is comfortable and doesn't have to extend it. Like Keanu Reeves could have stayed home. He doesn't need to be John Wick. Right. Somewhere the guy who played Stifler is like, I could have been John Wick. Like Keanu Reeves doesn't need the gig. But he was awesome in it. Oh, he's fantastic. And him coming in makes the movie. Right. That's what gets the movie greenlit. Oh, Keanu Reeves wants wants to be John Wick? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can, we can do that. That works for us. Right. Oh, an A-list bankable movie star wants to make your movie? Oh, okay, now, now we'll make your movie. And so it's the same concept when you move over to Margot Robbie and Birds of Prey. She went out and she got people that she wanted to work with who fit the standards and in in that she wanted to see going forward. And what that did mean was going to get somebody who hasn't done action before. And when the studio said, hey, um, we're not saying no. Like, we know Margot Robbie is the reason this movie is going to get made. Right. But can we get somebody who has some experience in action? She says, how about you just get someone in to do the action? How about, how about the John Wick dude? And suddenly now this guy's finding more work. Right. Right. Now he's sought after because Keanu Reeves and, and inclusion and all of these things. And so that's how all this works. Right. It doesn't take away from the directing because I think outside of the action scenes, it still works as a really solid character movie. Well, and, and so now the box offices are coming in a little disappointing. Which is funny because this is actually a well-received DC movie, and 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 people all seem to be excited about it. I haven't seen a lot of people hating on it, except for the uh, I'm actually crowd. Right. Um. What I've been seeing is it's going to be laying somewhere between thirty-five and forty-five million. Mm-hmm. Which, listen, if the check clears, I'm not mad about that. That's a good day, you know. That's a good weekend. You know? Yeah, but somehow it didn't make nearly as much as Suicide Squad. Right, and that's the numbers. Uh, I think Suicide Squad was at fifty-five or something, and then sixty-five was like what the what the test screenings were indicating it should fall in. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna they're gonna call this movie a flop. Now, if this movie develops legs and stays steady, the other thing is that there's not really anything coming out. Well, that was so. Um, that's why I'm. That's why I'm more surprised is that there's not a lot of moviegoers. Right now, because this this really feels early in the movie season. Right, um, nothing nothing is really but people. Happening. I mean, I don't I don't know how to like describe it, but I feel like it's not time to go to the movies. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I, the last time I went to the movies was in the big one, Spider Man. Yeah, but that's summer, right? Right, that was July. That was ju- oh my gosh. So to me, I don't know. Like, I just feel like it's too early for these kind of. I know that sounds dumb, but like, I haven't seen Maybe. Bad Boys Three yet. Yeah. And, and you know, like, they have my $10. Right. But I haven't seen it yet. It's just, I, f- I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's not. It's just not time to go to the movies. That's so weird. Um, I feel like it, they, they've... It used to be summer blockbusters were summer tentpole movies. That was the idea. Birds of Prey, 10 years ago, would have been a movie that opened June 4th. You know? Now we're just putting these things everywhere. And and I don't know that that's I don't know, I don't know do people do people go like February movies done, there's not a February movie that's made as much as a summer movie so like is it yeah. even fair to Birds of Prey to put it there and that's kind of the I don't there's know. nothing else out really but it means it doesn't really have competition but also there's not a lot of interest to go to the movies except for that one right so right did you think that's what it is like so when all the movies are out at the same time it's like everything you watch is telling you to go to the movies. Right. So you're like, oh, man, well, obviously we're going to the movies this weekend. I don't know what we're going to see yet, but clearly we're going to the movies. Yeah, and I think that that's where it comes in because there's a lot more things that you could see there. Do you think we have to be reminded to go to the movies? Are we dumb? People are pretty dumb. I mean, I don't, I'm not arguing that. Uh, listen, if you're listening to this, I guess you're dumb. Uh, no, I... <laughs> <laughs> Just calling them out. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I guess it's, we do have to be reminded to go to the movies because like, I haven't gone. And, like, I want to see Bad... Like, I want to see Bad Boys 3. Haven't been. 
I want to see Birds of Prey. Haven't been. Like, also, I feel like there's not a lot on advertising for this movie. Like, I definitely have only seen, like, two trailers for this thing. It was a moderate amount, I feel like. I don't feel like it was one of their heavier things. And I think that's what really there was like a I think that's what really pushed Suicide Squad. Was that they there was had a lot really they one they had the, the trailers were just ridiculous and can crazy. I tell you what else pushed Suicide Squad? What Will Smith? I mean, yeah, best rapper alive, greatest rapper alive. We live in the Willennium. We do. He's the only reason we moved to Miami. Um, just as a culture, we never would have been. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I do think abandoned. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't for Will Smith, no one would be there. Uh, the Cubans would land and then they would just travel further north. They'd be like, no one's here. And then they would just keep going. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure why, but like Bad Boys 2 hasn't done, you know, it didn't do 200 million. You know what I mean? Like, right. And Will Smith's in that one. Yeah. I, I, maybe February is just too early to go to the movies. Like maybe, maybe it's time we had the, we're still in like the weird hibernation period. Yeah. Like there's too much other stuff going on. Like the Super Bowl. Well, Bad Boys, I think, debuted the same weekend as the Super Bowl. Which is a terrible idea. Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of people, like... That want to stay home or go somewhere to somebody else's house to watch a different thing. Well, and here's something that happens a lot with, with couples, uh, from what I learned on sitcoms. Um, like, Fair. Okay, I come home Friday afternoon from work, and I'm like, Hey, babe, what do we got going on this weekend? Because it's Super Bowl weekend. And they're like, hey, well, Sunday, obviously, we're going to Steve Todd's to watch the game. And you're like, oh, are they both going to be there? And you're like, yeah, but it is what it is because the game's on. And you're like, fine. Then it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And it's like, okay, well, Friday, we've got that dinner. And then so like Saturday could be like date night. And it's like, yeah, but like, do we even want to go anywhere? Because we got to go to Steve Todd's on Sunday. And it's like, yeah, I don't really like we're going to run around the night and we're tired. Let's just kick it. Netflix it on Saturday. And then we're going to go watch it like. The Super Bowl takes a whole day of weekend stuff away. Right. Either shopping or prepping or praying for your team to win, whichever oh, right. one. Right. But, I mean, no, well, just if people, once you've committed to doing something, it feels like that's, that's. Well, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have plans Friday now. Aren't they at 9 p.m.? Yeah, and it's going to take all day. <laughs> like that's right, so you sit around your house till eight thirty, and you're like, "Man, where's the time gone? Gotta go." <laughs> and then you text them at eight forty-five, running twenty minutes late. Uh, but that's what that's when you make plans and when you've got commitments. Suddenly, it's like one whole day is gone. So then, oh well, that day's gone. I guess this day has to be for like. There's less time to do stuff. Is really what I guess I'm getting around to, and I don't know that. I feel like this Super Bowl maybe hurts bad boys. I feel like it's just there's a lot of things going on right now that that make it movies aren't as important right now it's weird to think that movies travel in like seasons like you could technically release movies whenever you wanted you can you could release them you can do them on a tuesday but we do them on a friday because that's when people go out like we're already programming to people's patterns and behaviors it's just how we are it's just weird to me that we just make these weird choices and then like and i think now i think it's too these movies feel like summer movies and it's February. Right. Because this would this would clearly be like whereas Jaws started the idea of the summer blockbuster for like 15 20 years for 30 plus years, that's all we had were summer blockbusters. It was really the fact that Marvel, DC and Disney were all putting out movies at the same time that we started moving yeah, them farther, either back or, f- or later. Right, B- and then studios were moving their other movies further, further forward or back to avoid this, the tent poles, and like eventually now it's the whole year, and and there listen sports. There's a reason. There's a reason even with the addition of the XFL. There's a reason there's going to be a gap between the XFL championship and the start of the NFL. The reality is, is everyone knows you can burn out. Like you have to, you can't spend sixty dollars a weekend every weekend going to the movies. Right. At some point, you have to come up for air and savings. you tell me I can't just go to the movies every single day or every single weekend? You can, but if they ever catch you, they're going to make you pay. <laughs> there was a guy on Reddit who's like, I'm reviewing every movie that's coming out this year. And he's like, seen all of them? And he's like, <laughs> he's like giving a rating for every movie that came out that month? I think I hate him already. <laughs> like, he clearly lives a better life than me. What a jerk. Um... <laughs> It's funny because he's got like a he's got like a month rating and he's like best month 
January. Worst month? January. <laughs> yeah, because we're only in January. Well, now we're in February. Right. Now we're two weeks in. Has it already passed or fallen behind January? No, not really. That I would guess. be impressive. Listen, if his if he was so unhappy already with February that he's like, this month's already worse than the last one, that would be something to talk about. But what came out in January? <laughs> right. That's ugh. All right, let me tell you guys about Citizen's Grill, and then we'll jump out here for a break. Uh, from chicken fried steak with jalapeno cream gravy to spicy shrimp tacos or our double bone-in pork chop, it's all going. It's all good at the Woodlands area's newest restaurant and lounge. With two full bars, 40 beers on tap, and over 23 wines by the glass and a huge family-friendly patio, Citizen's Grill is sure to please. Find them on 1488 at Old Conroe Road across from the Escape Theater and Del Webb. Open, week a- open weekdays, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. and weekends, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. And this Saturday, we're going to be hanging out, watching the Houston Outlaws debut in the Overwatch League. We're going to turn Nerd Thug Radio is turning Citizens Grill into the Nerd Thug Radio watch party site for the Overwatch League this year. So come on out, hang out with us. We're going to have a good time. We're going to watch the games. We're going to enjoy ourselves. Um, The Outlaws go on at 4. We're going to be there at 2, so we'll probably catch all of the game before and then the Outlaws game itself. So come hang out with us on Saturday. Right there at Citizens Grill on their massive patio. All right, we'll be back with more Nerd Thug Radio coming your way. Hey, everybody. I'd like to introduce Tiger Rock Martial Arts. With four great locations that are open to all members, Tiger Rock offers world-class training with top-level instructors teaching self-defense and jiu-jitsu, among other courses. Designed to help improve physical fitness and raise confidence, Tiger Rock's martial arts is able to start working with anyone four years old and up to show them the life skills and focus it takes to succeed in the modern world. Anyone interested in a fun, energetic way to make a positive life change should absolutely reach out to Tiger Rock Martial Arts and get started changing their life for the better. TigerRockMartialArts.com The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is open on 1488 at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard. With comics, games, and everything nerd-related, The Adventure Begins is the one-stop nerd shop. On Saturdays, they alternate between having Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And coming up, they also have cosplay crafting and trivia nights and BYOB nights. They're currently offering a 10% discount for limited time, which will be valid for as long as you grab your books every month. This is Rudy Townjanovich, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. Welcome back, Conroe, to more Nerd Thug Radio coming at you from 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations. And we're streaming worldwide at IronLoneStar.com. So if you've been turning that dial trying to find something exciting to listen to, take a break here. And then when you get the energy back, keep going. Um, we're recuperating. Yeah, while recuperating, enjoy the easy listening classics of my voice talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> just a, had to throw them off. Such like a that. dumb bit. I don't even <laughs> like. There are no good bits anymore. Um, I don't man, know. You know who's crazy now? Who? Jim Carrey. I mean, yeah. I kind of felt like I was always the case, though. Did you? Yeah. I really. That was always my 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 childhood theory behind Jim Carrey. Like, so there's a lot going on legal cases and stuff that I'm not going to go into that really paint him in a really bad light. Um, he's got an ex. An ex-girlfriend of his committed suicide, and the family is suing Jim Carrey uh, for, like, his involvement in her life after they broke up. Like, they paint him as the bad guy. Not going to go into that. It's oh, a lot that's, of, that's rough. It's a lot. It's messy. So, like, I guess he was paying for a therapy when they were together, and then when they broke up, he, he didn't want to or wasn't or whatever. The, I'm, not, I, I'm not clear on what the, the lawsuit is alleging that he's, not the, that he's the bad guy. In her situation. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's messy. But he also does art, painting, and things like that. And some of those are kind of getting some, like, pop culture fame and people are interested in it. Mm-hmm. But the other day he was on a, a red carpet and it was, uh, it was like a pop culture icons type thing. And yeah. he was completely off his rocker in his interview. He was like, could, could there be anything less important than pop culture icons? Like, this is the dumbest thing we've all gathered together to do in a long time. And um, the woman interviewed, to her credit, I, I don't know who she was. It was a little video on YouTube. Uh, like, you know how you get, to, like, lost in, like, a Facebook warp of videos where... Yeah. So, anyway, the girl, to her credit, was defending the concept of pop culture icons 
fairly well. She was like, well, you don't think people can inspire people? You don't think art can move people? You're an artist. You do art. You don't think that there's a, a, a value to what you do that people can decide gives you a, a, a status that's iconic in nature? And he's like, no. <laughs> Just being like the worst. Then he says something along the lines of like, um, I don't even think you're real right now, but like there's a wonderful fragrance in the air and we're interacting, so I guess. But like it's it's sort of like he's trying to be like super metaphysical and like super abstract while doing an interview on the red carpet. Like it's like if Neil deGrasse Tyson was a crazy person. Maybe. I don't know. It's just it's hard to watch. And so I didn't really he's lost his mind. He's off his rocker. Um but I think he's I think he's the reason there's no good bits anymore cuz like he was so funny forever but if even him is like out of stuff that's funny to say maybe we all need to take a break. <laughs> Jim Carrey is the reason good bits don't exist. Like if Jim Carrey's like I'm out of funny, all right, well maybe maybe we all need to reevaluate what's funny and maybe we all need to go <laughs> if he can't find anything funny to say for a minute. Let's just Although I do watch uh my next guest needs no introduction on Netflix. Oh, uh, whatever his name is. Uh David Letterman. Yep. And by the way, he always did a great job on his show, but his show was like a promotional vehicle yeah. for like the last like 20 years. Oh, someone's a movie out, they come on David Letterman. Oh, someone's got an album out, they come on David Letterman. Blah, 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 blah. For the most part. His show, when he started it and couldn't book guests because Leno and Carson and the network wars were going on and all these great things, you got to look into the history of it if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's amazing. Um, he did these great interviews with like these local characters and stuff. Uh, my next guest needs an introduction kind of comes back to that. And so he has these great conversations, except now it's with these really iconic figures. Jay-Z, Barack Obama, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Malia, whatever the girl's name is, the girl who uh, the Taliban shot in the head and she still went to school. Oh, right. Um, and so, like, there's these fascinating people that he talks to where he suddenly realizes, like, not suddenly, but where he, he kind of he shines the everyman light on these interesting people and talks about him in these different ways. Like Jerry Seinfeld is one of the most successful people who's ever been in existence in the world of comedy and in the world of sitcoms. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about when, when David Letterman was kind of talking to him about it, Jerry Seinfeld sort of, there was almost an air of like, he expected to succeed. Jerry Seinfeld just knew he would be good. He just, he was like, that was what I was, I mean, that's why I worked on it to be good at it. Um, and so like, there's sort of an interesting kind of like, he also talks about how he wouldn't do comedy now. Like he doesn't do college campuses anymore. During Seinfeld, he doesn't do it because when he goes out there now, he feels like, and I've never even heard him be aggressive or blue or any of that. But like all of a sudden now he says, there's just things that if you say it, maybe people don't want to hear it. And suddenly they're going to just turn on you because you brought up something they didn't want to hear. He's like, that was never a problem before. Um, and I don't think he's ever. I don't think he even does jokes like that. But it was just interesting to hear him say. Right, like, it's the same guy who has like a four-page joke on Pop Tarts. Right. Also, he did a whole bit about raisinets and uh, sun-made raisins, mm -hmm. and how sun-made raisins literally only makes one product: raisins. <laughs> and raisinets makes chocolate-dipped raisins. And how has someone at Sunmade never, ever, ever realized that you could dip a raisin in chocolate? pretty hilarious it's pretty good that's pretty good um and so like there's just these i don't know it's just interesting to see like how comedy has changed over the years Chappelle, uh you know most notably uh did his last special where he essentially challenged the internet to get over itself which it didn't and it no it didn't it did exactly what he knew it would do but he did it anyway and there's just a level of bravery and a level of intelligence to that and there's also a level of come at me bro right um which is a hard, brave thing to do as an entertainer and a comic. Because um, essentially he's saying, I bet you aren't big enough to get rid of me. Bold, but accurate. And in the end, it might be right for him, but it wasn't for others. No. Although famously, Louis C.K. did predict his downfall. He was he was doing a whole stand-up about how his life was better than everybody else's. And he mentions on it, like, it's only better for right now. It'll be... It'll be a couple more years, and then you guys will get tired of me. And then, sure enough, a couple and more years, he's totally gone. Oops. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's interesting. I think I think it creates some ideas. Um, but talking about Netflix like that, there was I watched some things this weekend 
Uh, I watched, first of all, Invader Zim. Oh, you finally watched Enter the Florpus? It's stupid. It's great Invader Zim. It's hilarious. Uh, they're probably one of the darkest moments of the whole thing is the very beginning uh, when the scientist is when the scientist dad is talking about how kids all have to get over stupid ideas when they're little. Uh-huh. And he's like, when I was little, I thought sharks were my friend. And then he turns to the camera, takes his glove off, and it's a giant robot hand. And he's like, but I was so wrong. <laughs> it's the, but I know better now. Yeah, it's so dark. And then he just puts the glove on, powers through, and you're just like, did a shark bite his hand? Is that what we're saying? Both of his arms. Both right. of his arms are robotic. Turns out, but well, well that's an assumption. They bit off both arms. They I mean, he's gone at different times for different things. This is fair. Uh, but just the idea that he took the glove off of one hand and looked at a robot hand and was like, but I know better now. Like, probably one of the darkest moments in animated comedy. Like, I'm trying to think of another. That level of, of holy smokes, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's good. Um, and then I also watched something that was incredibly different, and I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not done with it. You finished it. I'm I not did. done with it, but the show is called The Pharmacist. It is great. It is, it is, it is incredibly interesting through where I'm at on it. Um... The premise of it is in the first episode, you find it, it's a mini, it's a little mini series. That I think this is the way. This is really the way to document something. I feel like, but in this mini series, um, the pharmacist, his son has died in a drug deal gone bad, where his son was trying to buy opioids. The first couple episodes are about him solving his son's murder, because the police sort of botched the case a little bit, and it was going to just fall through the cracks because, and this is sort of sad to say, but essentially when wealthy, privileged white kids from the wealthier neighborhoods come into the, to the poorer neighborhoods to buy drugs, so sometimes they wind up dead and the police are never going to be able to solve that crime because the community isn't going to turn on its own because of what they did to somebody from outside the community. Right. And so a lot of those, I mean, everyone in the beginning of the documentary is telling you this case is probably going to go unsolved. Because of the just the standard facts of the standard case. Guy comes down from the rich part of town to the poor part of town to buy drugs. Gets killed. Not a lot of sympathy for him. Not a lot of movement for him. Not a lot of traction on the story. Not a lot of interest in it. It's probably going to go unsolved. And the dad just... No. No. Not going to let it happen. Not going to let it happen. He starts walking through the neighborhood, canvassing the neighborhood, door to door, asking people if they know anything. Suddenly, the black community is scared that something's going to happen to this guy. So a reverend of a, one of the churches in the community literally takes him under his wing and walks with him door to door. Just so nobody kills him. Right. Because that's the neighborhood they're in. Um, and then it kills even further than that because then the drug dealers know this guy's walking around trying to solve a murder. Involving a drug dealer. So now the drug dealers want to kill him. And so suddenly everyone is begging this man to stay out of the parish. Because it's in Louisiana. So they do parishes, not counties. And they're like, don't go there anymore. And he keeps going. Keeps Never going. Never stops. Eventually friends are coming with him with guns because he won't even carry a gun. He's like, no, listen, I'm trying to do this the right way. I'm not trying to make trouble for anybody. I just want to solve my son's murder. Takes forever. There's a big twist. It's an interesting story. Eventually, he solves the son's murder. Um. Then, he goes back to work as a pharmacist, and all of a sudden, he's noticing everybody's filling opioid prescriptions. Everyone, everyone is filling massive opioid prescriptions in his town. They keep going to the cops, and they keep the documentary keeps flashing. The cops keep going. Overdose deaths were skyrocketing through the roof. Like it was. There was a massive... Okay, we talk about it in the news now where there was a massive opioid epidemic. This is ground zero for it. This is where it starts. Right. And suddenly he's investigating what they call a a pill factory, which is just a clinic that just profits grossly from writing scripts that probably shouldn't be written for some of the strongest painkillers in the industry to simply, you know, everybody make money, everybody get high, everybody do drugs. Um, They go to the... They're talking to one of the sales reps for that area. And he's talking about he was going to say something, but then he gets a $50,000 bonus check for that quarter because of all the scripts coming out of that area. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's not really a system designed to have people come forward, is it? Nope. He, the dad, goes to the FBI with what he knows. He then goes to the DEA with what he knows. The DEA claims they're in the middle of a year-long investigation, but it is many, many, many months before anything happens. That blows my mind. That That's the part that blows my mind. Yeah. Like, sometimes you just have to tell somebody what's happening. And he actually, uh, you'll get further into the series, you'll see that he makes some really major changes that speed up this process and... Because what ends up happening is that right, the DEA gets bogged down through like bureaucracy and forced investigation. Right, and so that's one of the things they talk about is because my when I was watching it at first, I was disgusted. I was like, why does it take them a year? Like he's literally filming. First of all, this okay. Let's let's clear this up. This is early on in the documentary. This is he's filming this clinic. It's three in the morning. It is packed. There are a hundred and fifty people in this clinic. There are people loitering on the porch of a clinic. It's a clinic at three in the morning writing prescriptions. Right. That, that, that It's not an emergency clinic. It's not a ready clinic. It's not an emergency room. This is a pain management center open at 3.30 in the morning. It wasn't even scripts. a pain management. It was a pediatrician. Well, it's a pediatrician, but she's moving into the pain management field, and I don't know what the rules are on that. I think doctors can move around. So I don't think she was necessarily doing anything wrong on that, but my point is... Her business model is clearly in favor of the criminal element. Yeah. It'd be like a veterinarian who, for some reason, has an operating room that's people-sized. Oops. Like, you'd, you'd have some questions for the bro. Um, and so... Horses are pretty big. Yeah, and they also have two feet. You know, oh, no, four feet? Oh. Oh. I'm not a very good vet. <laughs> uh, I just... I think that alone, to me, if I'm a DEA... I I issue uh, subpoenas right there on the spot. Hey, can you tell me what's going on at your clinic that's open at 3.30 in the morning? That seems odd. I have questions. We're going to send an auditor down there and investigate. But instead, the DEA has to track down every prescription written and compare it and blah, blah, blah. And they found 30 pharmacies in the area that had prescriptions from her, and they they speculate that she had written just in those. she had, They found a couple hundred thousand prescriptions. So they speculate she may have sold over a million pills in one year. Which is insanity, by the way. Especially when you... when you Okay, do you remember when the, the little addict girl was talking about how much the pills were going for at that time? Yeah. $80, $80 a pop on the high end. So let's go middle, 40 Let's say this chick is selling them for $40 a pop and might have written a million prescriptions. And the IRS has her depositing $2 million in a bank account. Oops. Right. Now, yes, what Nico's talking about is this is 2003, 1999, somewhere in that range. I think it's in two. I think when he starts picking up, it's like 2002, 2003. Yeah, because the son dies in 99. Yeah. And so. And the case gets solved in like 2001 or two. Yeah. And so there's these. Yeah, it does, which is also crazy. Uh, it takes him two years to solve his son's murder. Um, also, but so one of the things that's going on is the DA is just completely bogged down with having to go piece of paper to the piece of paper to the piece of paper because nobody's regulating this stuff. Sometimes when people talk about industry-killing regulation, what they really need to address is this is a dangerous thing and we need to at least know where it's going. Right. Because if, if, the, if the system had been in place then, there'd be tens of thousands of more people who never would have even encountered the opioid epidemic. Because and, that's, and that's where it actually comes down to later. You, this, like, this whole thing has a huge domino effect. Yeah, it has like, to. That was one thing I was thinking about as I was watching is this is only going to keep going because I know on the flip side now, uh, because of the lawsuits that are going on right now where the country, the Justice Department, is suing the big pharma companies for the opioid epidemic, uh, just like they sued Big Tobacco. And they're they're seeking to take money from those families to use to take care of getting people off of these drugs. Um, getting people off of these drugs, but also them being, a lot of them just being straight up dead. Well, yeah, of the amount for sure. Of that overdose. But also, once you on some of these drugs, once you're on them, you can't like you can't get off of them. No, they can wean you down, but you still have to take something because you are now chemically dependent on. They have changed your body's chemistry, right? Um, and so some of this is just these people will be forever altered, and there's no other way around it. You got to do something for those people, um, and so yeah, knowing where the law is now. It's interesting to recognize that this is probably the thing that changes it. Oh, yeah. And seeing it happen 
it's just we all say we want someone to do the right thing and be the good guy and do good for the community. Mm-hmm. That is all this guy is trying to do, and everyone shuts him down. It's true. The FBI wants to know why he's even asking questions. Did His he... boss at the pharmacy is telling him to stop questioning legitimate prescriptions. Uh, the DEA wants to know why the people that he's bringing to them to prove his case, he wants to know, the DEA wants to know if they're drug dealers. He's like, this proves that that's a pill factory and you're more concerned about who they know than, like, we're giving you a case. Like, I've got camera evidence and you want to know who these people are friends with? Like, I don't understand what you're even asking him. Right. And so it, it really showed that no one was interested in this problem that was completely evident. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I mean, if the cops are sitting there every day in this documentary saying, yeah, we're dealing with a mat, like, uh, overdoses were all over the place. We were like, we were. Have you gotten to the part where there's actually cops in front of this clinic? Yeah, there's a cop who works there. And that's actually part of the story that one of the guys tells is that a cop, the guy who, the guy who is the witness that he brings into the DEA, uh, his day job is a repair operator for printers. And he comes in and he does a $400 repair job for that clinic. And the doctor wants to pay him in prescriptions. If someone comes to the DEA with that story, that should immediately spark an investigation. That should immediately spark a cease and desist. A let's sit down and talk. Uh, you need to stop writing scripts until we get to the bottom of this situation. And instead, they wanted to know who he knew. Yep. Uh, it just blew my mind watching it. It blew my mind watching it. Um, I recommend it. Oh, it's really well done. It's super captivating. I basically blasted through it in like one day. <laughs> yeah, I got about halfway through in one day, but I was it was already like three in the morning. I was like, go to sleep, Corey. Go to sleep. So I was like, no, I don't wanna. I'm not ready. But I did it. I did it. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Uh, but no, I mean, the show was incredible. It was interesting. It was, it was fascinating watching how, first of all, it was incredibly hurtful to watch them go through that process in the beginning. And kind of knowing a little bit what that's like, you and I, I, I watching that, I was like, Ugh. yeah. And like they're like they're makes they're, you real uncomfortable, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then and then they start thinking about because at first this was a weird this was a weird comedy made is that for like the first month he was just mourning his son, and then he realized his son was murdered, and now there's right. a case that needs to be solved. That's a weird transition. I don't know. Where, I don't know where we would have gone with something like that. Like I don't know how that would have pivoted. Like. That would be a weird, and he became obsessed. And then because eventually he solved it, that became his coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And now he can't not solve problems, right? And that becomes the issue at hand with all of this is that he can't let it go. Right, and it starts causing rifts in his family. Everyone is mad at him because he's obsessed. He's obsessed with it. But it takes, it's weird to me that, yes, he was clearly in the wrong in some ways because he was fixated and obsessed and it was threatening people and it was endangering people and it was... Sometimes I see stories like that, and I'm like, well, it's not really their business, right? But then there's this guy who's just trying to do the right thing from a good place, and it just kind of spirals. Right. It's, I mean, it's really interesting. But for a second, it kind of reminds me of like every like uh, Betty Barbecue or whatever that lady's name was who like called the cops because they were barbecuing on the park when they're not supposed to or like they don't have a permit to sell the water bottle. You know what I mean? Like... Like a like a much larger, more important version of that, but for good. But at the same time, it's almost like a like this isn't your department. Like right, no, and uh, like everyone's like getting annoyed. Yeah, everyone hates him. Everyone hates by the third episode that the one I was on. Everyone stops taking his calls. People, he he has to start his phone calls with. I'm not a nut job. I'm not trying to cause trouble. That's the point where he because he's calling so much. Right. It is it is fascinating to see that he annoyed the criminal justice system into action. It's really funny. It it really is in a lot of ways. Also, just the 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 twist that happens and the way he was hurt by it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. The way he was like, like how he felt betrayed. Yeah, blows my mind. <laughs> it blows my mind because you know what I'm talking like the hurt he expresses about it. I'm like, that's crazy. It's crazy. It's really strange, but it's it's a fantastic docu series. Definitely give it a watch. Uh, all right, Nico. Before we get out of here, why don't you tell everybody about Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and more? Adventure Begins. They got all kinds of different crazy events going down here. Uh, Tuesday, February eleventh, they have Star Wars X Wing from six to eight p.m. 
Uh, get your uh, Star Wars dogfight action on. If you're new, if you've already experienced, it's a great time to come down and play. Thursday, February thir- uh, 13th, 6 to 10, is Comics Collectors United. If you're a comic book collector, you know, looking for some rare stuff, or maybe you just want to talk about your collection, maybe show off a little bit, this is a great time to come on down, hosted by the very own Michaela. And then Friday, February 14th, 8 to midnight, Hops, Shops, and Tabletops. This is a Scott Pilgrim-themed Valentine event uh, in collaboration with Conflues uh, 365 and Tapped. Uh, this is going to be a great time. There's going to be several events that you can, or different things that you can do uh, from 8 to 12. Come and hang out. Uh, they have different, they have a mingling, matchmaking event if you're 21. It's going to be fantastic. All right, I like that. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more right there on 1488. That's where I get my comics. That's where we hang out. We do a lot of stuff there. We're there on a lot of Fridays. I'm yep, there yep, every yep. Tuesday doing my Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons. Dungeons and Dragons. That's my... What are you, an 80s nerd? You actually... Yeah, that's my voice. That's that's actually my actual voice. This is a fake voice. That was my real voice. <laughs> God, that would be awesome. All right, we're going to jump out to a break. When we come back, we got more Nerd Thug Radio coming back your way. Hey everybody, I'd like to introduce Tiger Rock Martial Arts. With four great locations that are open to all members, Tiger Rock offers world-class training with top-level instructors teaching self-defense and jiu-jitsu, among other courses. Designed to help improve physical fitness and raise confidence, Tiger Rock's Martial Arts is able to start working with anyone four years old and up to show them the life skills and focus it takes to succeed in the modern world. Anyone interested in a fun, energetic way to make a positive life change should absolutely reach out to Tiger Rock Martial Arts and get started changing their life for the better. TigerRockMartialArts.com From chicken fried steak with jalapeno cream gravy to spicy shrimp tacos or a double bone-in pork chop, there are many items listed on the menu of the Woodlands area's newest restaurant and lounge. With two full bars, 40 beers on tap, 23 wines by the glass, and a large, family-friendly patio, Citizen's Grill is designed to create a fun atmosphere. Interested in hungry parties can find them on FM 1488 at Old Conroe Road across from the Escape Theater and Dell Webb. Open weekdays 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. and weekends 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. And interested parties should absolutely check out the Nerd Thug Radio events pages for specials. Hi, Conroe. Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio. For people interested in saving money on car and home insurance, they should contact Sean Myers Insurance Services. If you look on Google, you'll see plenty of five-star reviews for these guys. They're great. They're an independent agent able to shop over 15 national carriers to find the best coverage at the best price for that customer. They do specialize in home insurance as well as bundling with auto to maximize discounts. They would want you to know that they consider their customers family and that their policy is caring and and their goal is to bring value by going through your coverage line by line to make sure you actually understand what you have. The interested party should call 936-760-5963 if they're interested in saving money on car insurance today. Hi, this is Kevin Smith, former Dallas Cowboy, Texas A&M Aggie as well. And I want to say what's up to Nerd Thug Radio. All right, Conroe, welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio. We're hanging out here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, and we're streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Make sure to check us out at facebook.com backslash nerdthugradio because that's where the magic happens. Hey. 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 Watch me pull a rabbit out of this Facebook page. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that was so stupid. Um, before we get into anything here, let me tell you guys about our friends Tiger Rock Martial Arts. With four great locations that are open to all members, Tiger Rock offers world-class training with top-level instructors teaching self-defense and jiu-jitsu, among other courses. Helping to improve your physical fitness and raise your confidence, Tiger Rock Martial Arts is able to start working with anyone four years old and up and show them the life skills and focus it takes to succeed in the modern world. Uh, anyone seeking a fun, energetic way to make a positive life change needs to reach out to Tiger Rock Martial Arts and get started changing their life for the better today. Um, make sure to go to TigerRockMartialArts.com. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the website. And when you get there, the thing that's important that, that was interesting to me is, so there's four locations all around um, North Houston. And what's interesting is once you're a member, you, literally there's classes at different ones at different times. So, like, if your schedule only works one way, you just go to that location. Right. So, it's not like you 
you're stuck. Right, exactly. So I think that's really cool. Uh, make sure to check out Tiger Rock. Uh, Mr. Hoffman is a great friend of the show, and so we have a great time working with him. Right there, Tiger Rock Martial Arts. Um, yeah, man, it's been it's been a crazy week. We got a lot more stuff coming. This is Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, is coming up this week. Uh, for those of you who are single, it's all right. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. I'm with you. I'm right there with you. Um, Nico, are you are you single? Are you not single? I'm single. You're single. Any any big plans Valentine's Day? Uh, other than going to the hop shops and tabletops, no. Oh, so you're you're gonna be there? I'm gonna be there. We're I'm gonna I'm confirmed celebrity appearance. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be in the matchmaking event. Okay, all right. Now you did a speed dating event at Comic Palooza last year. Didn't I you? did. What uh what was that like? Uh, it was fun. Uh, it's, it's definitely. Are there a lot of nerdy ladies? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't remember exactly the number, but it was we were there for like two hours. <laughs> you were there a while because I was waiting on you because it was towards the end of one of the nights. Yeah, it was um, the first night. That Friday. So I wound up uh, actually going to the hotel across the street and grabbing a beer. It had kind of drifted so long. Yeah. Uh, so how many people kind of estimate were there at that event? Oh, man. Cause so do it like this. How many tables were there? Oh, because we were all in a row. There's like 14, 15 of us. Like... On each side, so... So, 30 people? Yeah. Okay. And it was fairly equal, more one than the other? What was it? There's only, like, a couple more guys, so there's probably, like, 17 guys, 15 women. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, So, that's fun. Then, you know, there's there's a nerdette out there for you nerds, and for you nerdettes, listen, you have your choice of the whole universe. We all know this. Right. Like, a lady nerd is obviously the most desirable thing on the planet, right? Exactly. Isn't it? A girl who can read? That's so. That's not what I said. I didn't say that. <laughs> Don't put that on me. Um, You're the one that said it. <laughs> I did say that. Uh, yeah. So I thought I thought it was kind of funny that you went because you were like, "I'm gonna go do this speed dating," and I was like, "What? All right, you do you, boo." So now you're going to do this one here at uh, at, at at Tapped and Venture begins with uh, Comic Palooza. Yeah. I need to start getting into the comic blues and stuff. I need to figure out what we're going to do this year, our level of involvement. Um, if we're going all in, if we're just stepping back a little bit. I don't know. I mean, we'll probably do some panels. I think you want to do some panels, right? Yeah. Um, we could do some some podcasting ones like we usually do. Uh, probably, I'm, I'll probably look into doing one about making a comic book. That would make sense. Um, uh, that has been just a massive pain in the butt, uh, by the way to finish yeah yeah to, yes we i uh discovered i may need yet another colorist on this project <laughs> super fun because the artist so all right ultimately this is my fault there's just no getting around it but but it's not really something that i've ever had to mess with before mm-hmm. and it was that the artist wasn't consistently saving the pages to the same settings every time each page i guess his scanner was suggesting like a default and he was just rolling with it so the image resolution doesn't hold its integrity the bigger you get. And so when you get to where these files need to be the right size to come out and look like pages on a comic book, the file integrity just goes to poop on all of them. Oh, awesome. So the letter like a week ago was like, hey, you know these are all different sizes, right? And I was like, go on. And he, I, I said, all right, well, put it, this is, these are the dimensions they need to be. Put it together. Tell me what we're looking like. Like, what do I need to backtrack on? I was hoping for, like, six. It was, like, all but two pages. <laughs> oh, no. So then I went back to the colorist, and I was hoping I could just backtrack a little bit and not have to go all the way back. And my colorist was like, no, if, if the DPI is not close, uh, the DPI needs to be at least 300 to print. And if the DPI is not close, then I'm, you're going to wind up. I'll have to redo it. Right. Because, like, I'm set at this file size. So then I was like, hey, uh, what are my DPIs looking like? And he was like, almost all of them are between 90 and 115. And you're like, oh, sick. And I was like, yeah, way close to 300. Cool. <laughs> so then I come back to her again, the colorist, and I explain what's going on. And she's like, honestly, you're probably going to have to redo all of it. And I do, I, I, I'm not ready to, to go through more pages yet. Like, I have other stuff. And you're like. Sick. Cool, 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 cool. So I'm just about ready to just like set this thing on fire. It's not a huge setback, honestly. The right colors could probably go through these in a couple days. It sets me back five or six days, probably total. The artist already emailed me the new resized files, and the letter is ready. He just has to dump his stuff back on top, but. I now have to get all of these recolored. 
awesome. Yeah, it's a good feeling. I love creating. It's so fun. Don't you love it? The thing that's so weird to me is how the first issue was so easy. And now, like, I, like I want to amputate my own brain. <laughs> like that's how frustrated <laughs> I get now dealing with this. So, but this, you know what it does teach me is, you know, uh, the, the phrasing is always, oh, how do I break in? I want to be a... I want to be a creator at Marvel or DC. They won't hire me to make Moon Knight. And it's always like, well, to get into comic books, you need to make comic books. And I now fully understand what that means. And it's because it's not so that they can see you in the same format they work in. It's so that you can learn how all of this goes together and what your role is and right. why, what your limitations are and what, like, what needs to happen on every page. Like, the best education is experience, and that's what I've learned. Well, now you know. Part two of three, win. Part two of three better be a walk in the park, or I'm just going to... There will never be a three of three. <laughs> totally be hanging like this. I'll, I will just only make two issues. If, if issue two is just like issue one, I will only make two issues. That will just be the way. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, because I'll have to... I'm such a completionist, like, I'll have to make the third one, even if at that point no one wants it. <laughs> like, the artist is like, do I have to? And I'm like, I don't even, I, yes, sort of. I'm going to go yes. <laughs> but don't even email me the pages. Uh, <laughs> it's just hand-drawn, like, <laughs> stick figures. It's just me stick figure in it, uh, All right, but all that being said, uh, Jin from Space Cadets gave me some great advice. Just keep your head up. Don't worry about it. It's really not. You didn't lose the files. You just have to kind of start over, which is a good point. Uh, all that being said, stay tuned. We're always got more Nerd Thug stuff coming your way, but we're going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening. On behalf of Tiger Rock Martial Arts, on behalf of Citizens Grill, on behalf of Donald Williams with Sean Myers Insurance, and of course, the adventure begins, Nico. The adventure begins. Every time. You, you're like failing a multiple choice test. Uh, and uh, little brother Nico and myself, thank you very much for listening, guys. Have a great day. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More is open on 1488 at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard. With comics, games, and everything nerd-related, The Adventure Begins is the one-stop nerd shop. On Saturdays, they alternate between having Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon, and coming up, they also have cosplay crafting and trivia nights and BYOB nights. They're currently offering a 10% discount for limited time, which will be valid for as long as you grab your books every month. From chicken fried steak with jalapeno cream gravy to spicy shrimp tacos or a double bone-in pork chop, there are many items listed on the menu of the Woodlands area's newest restaurant and lounge. With two full bars, 40 beers on tap, 23 wines by the glass, and a large family-friendly patio, Citizen's Grill is designed to create a fun atmosphere. Interested in hungry parties can find them on FM 1488 at Old Conroe Road across from the Escape Theater and Dell Webb, open weekdays 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. and weekends 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. And interested parties should absolutely check out the Nerd Thug Radio events pages for specials. Hi, Conroe. Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio. For people interested in saving money on car and home insurance, they should contact Sean Myers Insurance Services. If you look on Google, you'll see plenty of five-star reviews for these guys. They're great. They're an independent agent able to shop over 15 national carriers to find the best coverage at the best price for that customer. They do specialize in home insurance as well as bundling with auto to maximize discounts. They would want you to know that they consider their customers family and that their policy is caring and, and their goal is to bring value by going through your coverage line by line to make sure you actually understand what you have. The interested parties should call 936-760-5963 if they're interested in saving money on car insurance today. Hey, Haywood Jeffries, former Houston Oliver wide receiver on Nerd Thug Radio.